The title of my message this morning is The Future Looks Bright, So Stop Looking Over Your Shoulder. I know that's wordy, but I want to say that from the outset this morning, that each and every person in here, God has ordained a destiny for you, a future for you that is absolutely amazing. That is more than you could comprehend or believe. And if you're not living it right now, hopefully by the end of this message this morning, you'll have a glimpse of what you want to do with your life this morning. You know, I spoke last week, I, did the, uh, I, I shared around our, that when we pray, pray for, or need, for needs last week. And, and the scripture that I used was in Exodus. And it was where Moses and the Israelites are, are coming out of, of Egypt, out of captivity. And they're free. And then the army, Pharaoh's army pursues them. And it's almost like their past is catching up with them. And I, and I shared that last week and I began to dwell on it. You know, sometimes things just stick in your heart. And I began to dwell on it this week. You know, that, that, that whole passage, that whole scripture. And so that's what I want to share from this morning. And so just to bring us up to the, the point that, of the scripture that I'm going to share from, in case you're not familiar with that story, we're talking about the, the Israelites, God's people, are taken into captivity by Pharaoh, he is, who is one of the most powerful people in the land at that time. So they're taken into captivity and they're slaves. They're, they're you know, forced to do hard labour. They're making bricks. Their life is limited. It is, you know, just awful. It is not what they would have imagined as God's people would be their future. And they're therefore not a couple of years, not even 10 years, not even a couple of decades, but hundreds of years. So I think over time it becomes more difficult. I think we're way more optimistic at the beginning of a tough situation than we are when it's been going on for a little while. We begin to lose hope. We begin to doubt. We begin to second guess. We begin to think, well, was this really, like, did God really, is God really, is it something I did? Was it something I said? Is, is, is this just my life? And I think the Israelites were probably at that point, hundreds of years, they believed that they would be set free. And so God speaks to Moses, the reluctant Moses, go talk to Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the land, and tell him to let my people go. I don't know, at times in my life I felt like I was glad I wasn't Moses. That's a pretty big deal. And so he's reluctant. God even has to appear to him in a burning bush that's not consumed and say, hey, it is me. It is what I'm saying. Sometimes God has to clarify in a way that only we can understand when he speaks to our hearts. And so he speaks to Moses and he says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? So Pharaoh goes, takes someone with him and he goes and he says, you know, God has told me it's time. You need to let the people go. And so Pharaoh, he's on a good thing, right? He's got this slave labor force that is, that is working for him. He's reluctant to let the people go, of course. He's reluctant. And so he puts it off. He says yes and he puts it off and then he says yes and he puts it off. So God convinces him by a series of plagues, a series of circumstances that come upon the Egyptians that should, I think, convince most people that God is serious. So he brings these plagues. There's 10 of them. There's 10 plagues that he brings. And, okay, 
I'm using my laptop this morning because I may or may not have totally deleted my notes just before I got up this morning. So just bear with me. Um, So there's 10 plagues. The first one is blood. I mean, that would have been enough for me. All the waters turned to blood. I would have been like, what do I need to do? I don't know, like seriously, but if you were, if Toowoomba, if all of a sudden the waters all turned to blood, would you not go, hmm, should believe, no, that wasn't enough. Then there was frogs. Well, that would be enough for me. Blood frogs. Frogs, I don't know what's worse. Totally overtaken by frogs. No, it wasn't enough. Lice. Okay, I'm done. Blood, frogs, no, they're not done. So then there's flies. Who loves flies? We had two sticky flies in our car. Was that yesterday? Nearly drove me insane. Two. This is a plague of flies. This is more flies than there is dirt on the ground, flies. No, not enough. Livestock. All the livestock died. Boils. Well, there you go. Wouldn't that be lovely? No, no, that didn't help. Hail. And I'm not talking hail like yesterday, hail. Hail like knock you out and kill you, hail. No, it wasn't enough. Locusts. All their crops were gone. I don't know, like this guy really seriously was either hard of hearing or I don't know. Darkness. Mm -mm. Who'd like to live in darkness? I don't think I would like that. And then finally, finally comes the Passover, the death of the firstborn. So God warns the Israelites, says, this is what I'm about to do. And, you know, they have the Passover meal and they put the blood on the lentils and God passes over their houses. But every firstborn child in Egypt died that night. And that was when Pharaoh decided potentially that was enough. And he said, yes, you can, you can take your people and get out of here. So he lets them go. Yay. Are we excited by that? They're out. If I was the Israelite, one of the Israelites, if I was one of God's people, I would have been excited by that. I've seen God do these amazing things all the way through. I'm kind of wondering when Pharaoh's going to get it, but I see God doing these amazing things. And, and finally, Pharaoh, who has kept them captive for hundreds of years, says, Yes, you can go. And they're not just going into nothingness. They're moving into a land that was promised to them. It was promised to them by their, by their predecessors, by God and their predecessors, a land of milk and honey, a land that, that is beyond what they can believe. So they're moving out of this constraint into this land that is going to be beyond their belief. And finally, they get the okay to go. And this is where we pick up the story. But just before we pick up the story, they start to leave and Pharaoh thinks, actually, I don't want them to go. I know we've been through a bit, but that's all gone now. Yeah, so funny. The pain's passed now, so I've changed my mind. And so he decides to go after them. So they've left, they think it's all good, and then he decides to go after them. So we're picking up the story at Exodus 13. Oh, golly, here we go. Exodus 13. Can I have that? That's excellent. Thank you. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if these people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left 
Egypt like an army ready for battle, okay? The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place from in front of the people. Next verse. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses, his chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi. Ha, ha, you're off. Across from Baal. Okay, if you can do it better, do it. Zephon, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking and they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done this to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Is there more? Yes. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever said that, but I've thought that sometimes. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. There was a faith statement. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I love that story. Now, God's done some amazing things prior to this, hasn't he, for the Egyptians? They've been through all this, you know, and back then they didn't have the Bible to recount it. Everything was recounted word of mouth. So, and they were still close enough to things that had happened for people probably to know people that knew people that saw this happen. They're not quite as far removed as we were. So he'd done it over and over again. Over and over again, God had proved himself to the people in what can only be described as miracles to get them to the point of freedom and heading towards the promised land, right? Do you agree with that? What I love about when I read that, and I'd never noticed this before, is God doesn't take them by the quickest route or the shortest route. You know, who's ever been cranky at God because it seems to take too long? Who's ever been cranky at God because, uh, you know, I thought it would be easier. I thought it would be faster. I thought it would be less painful than what it is. He didn't take them the quickest way. Why? Because he says, if they encounter battle or opposition, they may turn back to Israel. It might be easier to return to the constriction, to the slavery, to the bondage, to the heaviness, to the lack of vision, to the lack of purpose. Might be easier if if they encountered battle at that point to turn back. And so God really knows us very well, doesn't he? He knows us very well. So he takes them on this circuitous sort of route to get to where they need to be. And they get to this point. And I love this. So he's concerned that if they encounter battle, they might turn back. I felt a bit like that sometimes. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. I'm just too tired. It's just too long. So he gets them to camp 
on the banks of the Red Sea. Which means that when Pharaoh's army actually comes upon them, they're literally between a rock and a hard place. They can't go forward and they can't go back. And sometimes I think God brings us to a point like that so we have to deal with it. There was no choice. The choice was drown or be killed. That's it. Or go back. They were the choices. So God literally puts them in a place where they must deal with how they're getting into their future. Who's ever felt like that? Who's ever felt like they've been between a rock and a hard place in life? If I go this way, it don't look great. If I go back, it doesn't look great. I'm kind of stuck. What I find is interesting here is they, they looked stuck, but they weren't. They thought they were stuck, but they weren't. And I think there's people in this room this morning, you feel like you're stuck. You feel like your best days were behind you, even though they weren't that great. You're looking back at stuff that you've gone through and thinking, well, it wasn't that bad. You're looking forward and going, I'm not sure what the way forward is, but I feel like I'm stuck. I'm stuck there. And if that's you this morning, can I just say, if that's you, you might feel like you're stuck, but I would say you're right in the middle of miracle territory. Because what happens next illustrates the faithfulness of God, illustrates the fact that God knew the way forward, illustrates the fact that He was for them and He knew what was in front of them. So if you're feeling stuck this morning, you're right in miracle territory. And I get it. I look at this scripture and I get how it applies to my life. I've seen God do amazing things in my life personally to propel me into my future. I've been at points where there's been no way forward and thought, I can't do this. And I'm not talking years ago. I mean, sometimes I wake up and I think, I can't do this. It's too hard. Am I the only one in the room? No. I don't feel like I'm going to give up. I'm just like, man, this is hard. This is harder than I thought it was. You know, we shared a little while ago at um, a friend's church in Ipswich on marriage. They wanted us to come and share about marriage. And we, we have a great marriage. But I can remember getting to 20 years, which is nine years ago now, and thinking, man, I thought it would be easier by now. Anybody been married for 20 years? I thought it would be easier by now. I thought it would be, I thought we'd be in such synergy that we'd just flow through life like a breeze. And yes, we do most of the time. But, you know, there are times when it's not like that. I've seen God do amazing things that could have held me back or limited my ability to live the life He has for me. Things where I've faced roadblocks. And many of you would be able to say the same. I don't know how we're going to get through this. And then you get through it. You know, I'm so desperate, I really need God. Well, that's a bit of a sad statement, isn't it, really? I'm so desperate, I really need God to intervene. Well, we need God to intervene whether we're desperate or not. We just think we can do it sometimes. So desperate, I really need God to to intervene. I really, I'm gonna spend a week fasting this week because I really need to hear from God because, you know, and, and we do, we see God come through and make a way where there seemed to be no way. He brings healing, He brings breakthrough, He brings restoration, He he puts situations, He opens doors that we think can't open. We walk through them and the next challenge we hit, it's like we hit reset. Oh, I wonder if God can do this. Well, He just did it. Can He do it again? Yeah, well, yeah, you can because He's done it before. 
And he can do it again. And I think that's where the Israelites were at. It's like we saw all these amazing things. I don't know about you, but in my life, I haven't seen 10 plagues come against the person that was holding me captive so that I might be set free. I haven't seen that. They'd seen these amazing things. You know, the, the last one, the death of the firstborn. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in that circumstance? They've seen amazing things happen. Yet they get to the Red Sea, they turn and look over their shoulder and they see Pharaoh's army and they go, can't do this. Should never have brought us out. We're just going to die in the desert. Would have been better to be a slave. God, you know, really blame Moses because, you know, he's the one there. So they blame him. And, you know, I did start to wonder, this is a bit of an aside, but I did start to wonder, had they not looked over their shoulder, would the result have been the same? They were still at the Red Sea. It was still a blockage. It wouldn't have been as urgent because they didn't have Pharaoh's army breathing down their neck. But they got to the banks of the Red Sea. I wonder if they hadn't looked over their shoulder whether it may have been the same result. Do you think it would have been the same result? Or would they have thought there's got to be an easier way We'll wander around for another 40 years trying to get across the Red Sea. I wonder if, I, I think it would have been the same result. And I guess what I want to say this morning is sometimes we spend so much time looking over our shoulder, we can't see what's right in front of us. We don't trust God because we're so busy looking over our shoulder thinking, I'm not sure how he's going to do this. Can I just tell you right from the outset? He's got it. He's the creator of the universe. He holds the earth in place. Everything is under his authority. Whatever is troubling you, he's got it. He's got it. (sighs) But it is amazing. Every new challenge we face, we go, can you do it? Can he do it again? Can God do it again? When all he's really told me to do is trust him and keep moving. Trust me, keep moving. Trust me, keep moving. Trust me, keep moving. But this is what we do. I'll trust you, I'll just stop and wait. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to stop and wait. I know what God's told me. I know what he's shown me. I know he's never let me down. I know he's never left me alone, forsaken me. I know he holds the world in his hand. I know that he's amazing. I know he's the creator of the universe, but I've hit this obstacle, so I'll just stop and wait. And it's interesting because that's what Moses said when they rail at him about being better off where they were before. Moses says, just stop, be still, be still. God will fight for you, right? That's what he says. And we like that. I like that. I like someone to fight for me. I'd rather be still on the edge while someone cuts through the hard stuff for me. But what is interesting in this scripture is God goes, why are you crying out to me? Why? Get on with it. Raise your staff, divide the sea, and get the Israelites through. And I want to say to you this morning, some of you have been sitting, waiting. Sometimes it's good to be still. But some of you, as I've spoken, you know I'm talking to you. This is the time to get up and move. This is a time to raise your hand, believe God, trust God, and move forward. Not just wait for someone else to make the way for you. You know, when we're young, we need someone else to make a way for us. But God is toughening us up. God is saying, this is your future. Do you want it? 
Go for it. All you have to do is trust and keep moving forward. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. Don't we love our own opinions? Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. It's that reliance. It's not panic. It's reliance. I'm relying on Him. I'm cont- and this is the difference. Panic paralyzes you. Fear paralyzes you. Reliance allows you to keep moving forward because you trust that He's making a way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own opinions because I think when we're faced with stuff, our opinions become skewed. Our opinion is, hmm, I don't think this is going to work. Hmm, I'm not quite sure about this. I don't really see a way through this. That's my opinion. My opinion is this is too hard. Well, our opinions don't often line up with what God's opinion is. God says, do it. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Rely on me and I will lead you and make a way for you. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning. But what I've found is whenever I'm simply able to trust and keep moving, God makes a way. Now, He always makes a way. It just takes longer sometimes when I stop and consider my own opinions because it's almost like God taking the the Israelites on that sort of circuitous route. It's like He knows me. He had to keep them moving because if they'd gone the short way and they encountered the battle, they would have gone back. God knows you. He knows you. And it always turns out when I'm willing to do that, when I'm willing to trust, when I'm willing to keep moving, even though sometimes it's at a very slow pace, sometimes it's just one day at a time, sometimes it's just one moment at a time, it always turns out that the way that he's taken me sees the most growth in me and prepares me for the next season because God is always about growing you. God is always about preparing you. God is always about what is best for you. He's always about going, you need to go through this season. You need to keep moving because what is up ahead potentially may be a little bit larger, but you are going to gain strength by doing it this way. So we need to be able to listen and trust and keep moving. Even when I feel like I might be overtaken by something I've left in the past. Who's got things that they've left in the past that sometimes you look over your shoulder and you think, oh, I, 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 think it's, I think it's coming, I think it's coming back. I think I might be, you know, and this is what we do. I, I see it coming. And this is what the Israelites did. They weren't going, let's go to the promised land. They were going, oh my goodness, look what's coming up behind us. Sometimes, you know, I, there's a great example in my life as a, as a younger person, and I've shared my testimony many times. I really struggled with rejection and it was because of things that I'd experienced in my life. But I really struggled with rejection in an unreasonable way. So if I walked into a room and someone was talking and they stopped, I immediately thought they were talking about me. My default position was, people won't like me, I'll need to convince them to like me. I mean, really. People won't like me. If people were laughing in a room and it stopped when I walked in, I would think it was about me. If people didn't return my phone calls, I would think it was because they didn't like me. It was unreasonable. It was an unreasonable fear that I'd built up because of circumstances as a younger child. And God challenged me one day to work through it. It was not easy. 
it was not fast. And this is the way I did it. Every day that I felt that way, which was all the time, I would say, this is not true. I am loved. I'm accepted. I am part of the family. God loves me. People love me. This is a lie. I would say it out loud, not like a lunatic in front of people. I wasn't in the middle of the room going, this is a lie. No, in my car. Because that's where the feeling, when I was by myself, when I was alone, I would feel those feelings. The enemy always wants to isolate you and cover you in fear. And I would say that to myself and say that to the point that, and I don't even really, I couldn't quantify when it happened, but I remember one day thinking, man, that hasn't really been my issue for a very long time. I don't feel that way. In fact, most of the time now I feel like if someone doesn't like me, I feel like, what's wrong with you? I'm nice. What's wrong? There must be something wrong with that person. I mean, I understand that I can be a bit much, but, you know, overwhelming at times. I overwhelmed my husband with my beautiful singing this morning. He told me it was lovely but intrusive. So, um, but, you know, I didn't feel rejected. I was just like, oh, what's wrong with you? Are you grumpy today? My singing is intrusive? Really? But I got to that point. But I tell you something. If I stop and look over my shoulder, I can still see it. And if I stop and focus on it, it approaches me and sometimes overtakes me and I have to go through the process again. It's quicker now because I recognize it. But some of you are sitting here today and there's things that you've walked through, things that you've been set free from, things that you've overcome and you're looking over your shoulder right now thinking it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. But if you're not looking at it, it's not a threat. Because God said, if you keep moving forward and trust me, I will make a way for you. It can follow you all you like. But unless you're looking at it, it's not a threat to you. If the Israelites had not seen the army, they wouldn't have felt threatened. See, when our focus is anywhere but where God is taking us to, we tend to falter. So if I'm wanting to go over and talk to Martha, she's over there, right? And I'm looking at her. And I walk towards her. It's quite easy. I can get there, right? But if I start over here and I want to get to Martha, but I'm looking at Becky, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at Becky. Can you see what's happening? I'm looking, I have no idea where I am, but I'm not going to fall off the platform because I'm going to keep my eye on it because, you know, I'm looking over here. I'm not going where I need to go, am I? I'm actually at, at um, risk of falling off the platform and breaking my neck. Well, maybe not my neck. It's not that high, but... That's a bit dramatic. But you see my point? If your future is bright and it's in front of you and you're walking towards it and you're looking at it and you're trusting God and He's making a way, you can get there very quickly. But if you are walking through life doing this, I'm just a bit fearful of what might be coming in behind me and, you know, just a bit, I'm not really... And we falter and we're slow and we're at risk of falling off and hurting ourselves. The future looks bright. Stop looking over your shoulder. That's why God put our eyes on the front of our head. If He wanted us to have rear view mirrors, He would have put one on the back. How attractive would that be? And how limiting would that be to our hairstyles? My husband would be fine. I would have trouble. It'd be piggy tails for me for the rest of my life so that I could see out of the back of my head. He put the eyes on the front of our head because He wants to lead us where? Into our future, which is where? In front of us. If you... Keep looking over your shoulder, you get a crick neck. You do. You can't function on the level that you... Maybe that's an age thing. 
You can't function like you should. So I've got a couple of quick points as we finish that will help you from this scripture, that will help you going into your future to stop looking over your shoulder. Are you ready? They're just quick. God is well able to make a way out of any confinement or limiting situation you find yourself in. Pharaoh was one of the most powerful people on the planet. It didn't stop God. Whatever is limiting you, God is able to make a way through. If it's your health, God is able to make a way through it. If it's a job that you need, you know, we looked at the prayer requests this morning. If it's a relational issue, if it's depression, if it's mental health, if it's whatever it is, God is well able. Pharaoh was one of the most powerful people on the planet and God convinced him to let his people go. God is well able to make a way out of any confinement or limiting limiting situation you find yourself in. It might not be the quickest way, but trusting God, trusting His way will get you where you need to go. Don't be in a hurry. Keep moving, but don't be in a hurry. He knew that if the people were faced with a battle too soon, they wouldn't be able to do it. They'd turn back. So He took them on a route that would strengthen their faith. You might be on a on a path right now and it doesn't seem fast enough, trust God and keep moving forward. It might be the quickest way, but trusting Him will get you where you need to go. I love that He made the way clear. He bought a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew where they needed to go. He led them where they, it was obvious where they needed to go. So this is Old Testament. They didn't have Jesus like we do. They didn't have the Bible like we do. They had to rely on a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, a physical manifestation of God in their life. But we have everything that we need so that he can make the way clear. We have the Word of God. This is an amazing thing that we do in this church called journaling. It's not just reading the Bible. It's actually reading and listening for God to speak to you. Can I encourage you? He will. Just do it. He will. Read, listen, write down what He says. We have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit who guides us, who speaks to us, who, who gives us that, that ability to go, I think this is the right way or I think this is the wrong way. That's our pillar of fire and our pillar of cloud that keeps us moving forward. You've got what it takes to keep moving forward. Moses tells the people, God will fight for them. Be still. But God says, why are you crying out to me? Raise your staff. Tell the people to keep moving. Raise your staff. Use what's already in your hand. Use what I've given you. I've equipped you for this season. Use what's in your hand. Divide the water so the people can walk through. Wherever you're at today, you've got what it takes to move forward. Yes, you can cry out to God, but I think He's going to say to you, keep moving. Trust me, keep moving. Use what's already in your hand. I've equipped you for this season. Nothing's going to come against you that is going to change that. And lastly, remember He's done it before. He can do it again. He's done it before. He can do it again. You know, I think some of the hardest battles I've faced are not actually battles for myself, but battles for people that I love. Battles for people in my world where I want to see it work, where I want to see it happen. But the the advice is the same. Trust God and keep moving forward. 
Trust God, keep moving forward. He's done it before. Maybe not this circumstance, but a different circumstance. And He can do it again. And He will do it again. Are you encouraged this morning? Have I encouraged your heart? Your future is bright. Stop looking over your shoulder. Continue. Look ahead. Be excited about what God's going to do. Walk into it, trusting Him. Keep moving, even if it's at a slow pace, but keep moving. He is going to make a way for you this morning. He's done it before and He can do it again. I wonder if you'd stand with me today. I just want to pray. I wonder if, if this morning, if that message spoke to you and you're like, I, I just really need, I really need to trust God this morning for my circumstance. I really need to trust God for a circumstance for someone that I'm cheering on. I wonder if you would raise your hand this morning. I want to pray for you. It's not going to solve it. I just want to speak faith into your heart this morning. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for every hand raised here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you've done it before. You can do it again. I thank you, Lord, for the strength and the tenacity to keep on moving. I thank you, Lord, for the confidence that you are for us, not against us, that you are moving us forward, that you are making a way where we can see no way. And I thank you, Lord, for every circumstance, person, situation that is represented in front of me right now. And I thank you, Lord, that our testimony will be, He did it again. He did it again. Lord, I speak confidence into these hearts and lives this morning in Jesus' name. And just while we're standing and in this attitude of prayer, I just want to, just want to, give an opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and, you know, I've talked about God doing it again and you've not really seen that because you've not really known what it was like to walk with God. You've not really known God in your life. And that's totally okay because everybody in this building has been in that circumstance and situation before. And I just want to encourage you. It's not just about the Christians. It's about you. God created all of us that we would live in relationship with Him. He knew you before the foundation of time. He purposed your life before the foundation of time. He loves you more than you could ever understand. So much so that He would bring you to this place this morning where you could hear a message, encounter Him. I guess what I want to say this morning is, you know, if you're here and that's you, and you'd really like to, you'd really like to know how God feels about you. You'd really like a relationship. You'd really like that confidence that I spoke about this morning, that no matter what you face, He's there with you, that He's making a way for you. Can I just say it's right there for you? The Bible is very clear on this. If we confess Him before men, He confesses us before our Father in heaven. And so this morning, I want to give an opportunity, just really quickly, if you're here and you would like to experience that relationship with Jesus this morning, while every eye is closed, you just raise your hand really quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to, I'll just acknowledge it so you can put it down. And we're just going to pray and commit you to Jesus this morning. So as I look across this morning, if that's you, if you're, maybe, maybe you've walked with Jesus before, maybe you've walked with God before, but it's been a long time. Maybe you just want to simply raise your hand and go, I'm back. I'm back. I need this. So as I look across this morning, just raise your hand really quickly. And I'll acknowledge it and we'll pray. That's awesome. Lord, I thank you today for your great love for us. Thank you for speaking faith into our very spirit and soul this morning. Lord, I thank you for everyone here who is making a decision this morning to align their life with you. Pray you would just be with them.
that they would know your great power, that they would know your great love, that they would encounter you in a a real and fresh way today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We're going to pray this prayer this morning, church. You know, I always say this, but I love that we do this. I love that we start every week by really committing ourselves to God by praying this prayer. Are you ready? Let's pray it all together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Let's go out into the week knowing that God is for us. Let's go out into the week trusting that God is making a way for us. Let's go out into the week convinced that He's done it before. He's going to do it again. Let's go out into the week with our eyes forward, not looking over our shoulder. And Sarah's going to come and, and tell us some stuff. So let's welcome her. Can we thank Pastor Sue?